Hi everyone and welcome to Avid Travel with Britain Frost. I did want to just take a second to say that if things sound different today, it's because I've changed my location up and, and that's going to happen again quite a few times over the next few weeks. I'm currently in sunny Asheville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be on a sunny day and I'm hoping that I can get a hike in later. But I know that Asheville isn't a cruise, cruise destination, so we won't spend too long talking about Asheville, but if you haven't gotten to Asheville, North Carolina yet, you're missing out. It is a, it is a hot spot. Maybe not right now, but it is a, it is a hot spot in the, in the tourism game, not in the way that we've been hearing hot spot recently, maybe. Anyway, today we're going to look at my top five suggested itineraries for first time ocean cruisers. And I think I realized this last week is that I'm calling them itineraries, but they're not really itineraries because they're not, we're not selecting a certain itinerary for a certain amount of time, but I think it sounds better than saying rivers or oceans. So we will be looking at kind of the top five destinations for a first time ocean cruise, uh, because there are places that maybe you don't want to go. And as I said last week, you know, my first cruise was on the Mekong when I was 14, my first river cruise. My first ocean cruise was on the Queen Elizabeth II with my parents when I was a baby. And um, yeah, I mean, there are always things that people start off doing and, 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 and we can all start in different places. But I think that if, if you have someone who wants to get into cruising, or if you want to get into cruising, these are kind of going to be where the most abundance of itineraries are. You're going to have the most selection with people who operate in those areas. And then also, um, a lot of them you'll see are pretty convenient because they're close to home. So the first itinerary that we're going to look at is a Caribbean cruise itinerary. And there are so many Caribbean cruise itineraries. I think that that is definitely where the most itineraries are. And when we think of cruises, maybe not as travel professionals, but just in, in the world. And before we knew anything about cruises, you generally think of these cruises where you're going to the beach, spending time on the beach, you're going on fairly large ships, and you have this kind of idea in your mind of what a cruise is like. And oftentimes it is that. So when you do a Caribbean cruise, there are multiple ports of call. There are multiple embarkation and disembarkation points. But most of the time, I would say you're going to be leaving from either Miami or Fort Lauderdale. So for most people, that's a relatively inexpensive and quick flight, especially for me, I'm on the East Coast, I'm in North Carolina, you know, getting to Miami is such a breeze. And and I always like doing Caribbean itineraries, not even because I like the the beach or the water very much, but they're just so easy to get to. I'm not trekking nine hours or five hours or, you know, I'm not having to make connections. So for me, that's always really easy. The other thing is that people like the beach. And especially when you're looking at a cruise as some sort of vacation, whether it's a vacation from school for a family, maybe on a spring or fall or winter break. The beach is always a good place to get away, especially during the winter um, to, to kind of warm up and, and just escape daily life. I always like to do those trips in the 
winter, except for that it's impossible to find clothing at that time to go on a on a summer getaway of sorts. It almost feels like, but um, Caribbean itineraries are extremely popular, and they're very popular for families. Um, so if you have families looking to do a cruise, a Caribbean itinerary is always, always a great option. Um, the only problem that I have with the Caribbean ports and a lot of what I've been doing recently, a lot of problems that I've been running into recently is that these ports are not made for people to be able to get out of in and out of easily. And so when you river, when you, sorry, when you ocean cruise in Europe and you're able to go and dock in these cities, especially when you're on smaller ships and you can just get off of the ship and go directly into a town and explore most of the time on the Caribbean itineraries, you are going to want to either book an excursion through the cruise company or review the port beforehand and try to book a tour or something. Um, I am always perfectly content just staying on the ship and exploring the ship and enjoying the ship while people are not on board. Um, and there's always shopping and stalls and, and things if, if you want to do that and if that's what you're interested in. But I would say that I would recommend if you are doing a Caribbean itinerary to, to spend some time um, to spend some time with either you or your client really figuring out what it is that they're going to do in port, because even getting to beaches can be hard. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to look, look into those things. And obviously on different cruise companies, you have different, are, are excursions included? Do you have to pay for excursions? What are the excursions offered? Um, and you have different ports of call as well. So where some might go directly to a smaller Island where you can go to a beach, uh, a lot of the big ships are going to park in these very commercial cruise ports. So there's a lot of variety there, but it is because there is so much variety. It is a really great option for first time cruisers. Um, and before we get into the rest of the list, we're going to just take a second to hear a word from our sponsor. So the second itinerary on our list is the Mediterranean. I would say that following the Caribbean itineraries, the Mediterranean is probably one of the more popular itineraries, um, especially for first time cruisers. The Western Mediterranean itineraries are a great choice. And then you also have these Eastern Mediterranean itineraries, and we'll talk a little bit about those. So if you look at Italy and you kind of think of the the tip of, if you look at Italy as a boot and you kind of think of the tip of that boot, that can kind of divide the Eastern and Western Mediterranean. Uh, so when you do a Western Mediterranean, you're going to be focusing mostly on Italy. And then when you do an Eastern itinerary, that's when you get into Greece and Turkey and you can, you learn all of these incredible things in Greece and Turkey, because there is so much history there. And you learn about the Crusades and the Ottoman Empire. And it's just, there are so many religious sites. And so that Eastern itinerary is great. But today, we're going to focus a little bit on the Western, Western Med itinerary, uh, because that's where you're going to go to Venice and Rome, maybe. 
and you can go to Naples and that's where you go to Pompeii. Um, so there are you really, and you might, you might end up going to Spain. And so there are these really famous cities that you would be visiting on that Western Mediterranean itinerary. And I think that that combined with the, the very pleasant weather combined with the hospitality that you get from people in Italy, the warmth from the Italians and just Italy for so many people is such a, an aspirational destination and so many people want to visit Italy. And I think that one of the best ways to do that is by ship because you can really see a lot. Um, so that is what I'm going to say about the med because I think that I can talk about a lot of these things at length. Um, but th- these are just meant to give a quick overview and, you know, maybe give some guidance as to where to start. So for the next itinerary, we're going to look at Alaska. And I think that Alaska is a really good option because maybe for some of us, especially those of us in the, in the South of the U S but, but even going up North and especially in the Northeast, it's so different from anything that we see in our daily life. And it feels almost like you're going to the Arctic or the Antarctic. Obviously it's not the same, but you have that, that snow and that weather, and you have so much sunlight and there is just so much to do in Alaska and so much to see. I remember when I was younger, my parents had gotten home from an Alaska itinerary and my mom could not stop talking about whale watching. And, you know, that is really a once in a lifetime opportunity for so many people. Uh, So you do have this kind of focus on nature, but then you also you know, Alaska in, in Alaska, you can do an expedition cruise as well. If you're wanting to do something more, a little bit more in depth and a little bit more active, you can do an expedition. So there are just so many options in Alaska. And I think that what makes Alaska so special is its proximity. You know, a lot of Alaska cruises leave from the mainland United States. And most of them do in fact. So to get to Washington state is fairly easy for most of us, even those of us on the East coast, I know it's a little bit of a, a flight, but you're still flying domestically. And then you get to go to Canada on, on these Alaska cruises, and then you get to go to Alaska. And so you really get this feel for an environment that's completely different. You get this feel that you're being transported somewhere else. And it is not a very long flight. And, you know, you get to do all of this without, without going to Europe, without going on an expedition somewhere up North, really far up North. And then you get by uh, far up North, I mean, the Arctic or Greenland or places that are harder to get to. You get Alaska, which is almost equally as far up North as most of the ports that you would be going to in Greenland. And then you get this a beautiful sunlight because Alaska cruises only run for a certain amount of time. So the season is all during the summer months when it's warm enough to be able to sail. And you get this, this great light. Your days are long, especially if you decide to go in June 
and it can make a really, really good, just like the Caribbean can make a good winter getaway because of the warm weather, Alaska can make such a good summer getaway because it's a change of pace. And so I think that that's something that I always look for when I'm cruising is how can I take myself out of the environment that I'm currently in and really feel like I'm getting away and being able to transport myself. And so Alaska is a perfect summer voyage. It's also a great option for families because there's so much to see. There's so much to do. There are these active components if you want them. There is a chance, you know, while while grandson and, and granddaughter are going kayaking and mom and dad are doing some tour, grandma can be on the top deck of the ship, sitting out, reading a book, watching what's happening around her. And it's a really, really good option for multi-generational cruisers as well, because there is so much to do at all times and so much to see. Um, so Alaska is a really great option, especially for people who want to stay within the U S but really want to get away and want to do something that feels maybe a little bit more substantial than going to the Caribbean where, as I, as I mentioned, you know, you're just going to beaches and they're beautiful beaches and you are experiencing different cultures. If you go to Mexico and if you go to Belize, but you are really being transported to something that you probably haven't experienced before. Whereas many people take family, um, family vacations to the beach. So, uh, speaking of beautiful sunlight, the next itinerary that we're going to look at is a Baltic cruise and Baltic cruises are probably my favorite cruises, my favorite cruises, because I have such an affinity for Scandinavia, for Sweden specifically. And I'm a bit biased because my dad lived in Sweden for almost 10 years when I was a child and I was able to go back and forth and learn some of the language. But that being said, I think that Sweden is such a magical place. I think that Denmark is such a magical place and you get to go to St. Petersburg, Russia and Helsinki, Finland. And so you do get to collect those countries and really kind of see a lot of Europe, but but you're in the north of Europe and it's a completely different feel than those Mediterranean itineraries that we were talking about earlier. So I will say that one thing that I also really like about Baltic cruises, especially during the summer months, is that again, like Alaska, you have those really long days. You have those beautifully long days where you can be out until 10 at night and it's still light outside. I mean, I remember talking to a couple of my friends in Sweden who said that during the winter they would go to school and the sun would be set when they went to school. It would rise while they were at school. And then when they got home from school, it would be dark again. And kind of the opposite happens in the summer where you're out all day and maybe by the time you go to sleep, the sun has set. But by the time you wake up, it has likely risen again. And so during the summer, it really, really makes for a beautiful trip. And then also the climate is, I I think a lot more bearable than 
is North Carolina's. Um, it's, it's set up higher North. And so you're dealing with a little bit cooler temperatures. I will say the last few times I've been in Stockholm in the summer, it's gotten into the eighties and nineties degrees. Um, but, but most of the time the weather is pleasant and, and can even be chilly. Um, and then, as I mentioned, when we were talking about the Caribbean ports, when you do a Baltic cruise, unlike the Caribbean ports, you're really being taken into cities and you can get off the ship and it's so easy. And especially in, in Scandinavia where people speak such good English and it's, it's so easy to get around. It's easy to be able to hop onto a bus or take a metro and, there are so many museums to see in Stockholm. You have the the Wasa Museum, and then in Copenhagen you have Tivoli Gardens, and in Saint Petersburg you have these beautiful onion domes, and I, it's it's such a great trip. And I haven't done it in quite a few years now, but it's always one that sticks out to me. And so I think that maybe this I would say is kind of a stepping stone. So. It is a good option for first-time cruisers, but maybe also for a second-time cruiser who's done a Caribbean itinerary, who's done something closer to home and wants to get to Europe, and or maybe has done Italy and wants to do something different. I think that the Baltic is really, really a great itinerary, and it is one of the most popular cruising regions in the world because it is so great. And then lastly, and I do want to say as I wrap this up, these aren't in any particular order. I think that the Caribbean is probably the most popular of all. But lastly, we're going to look at Canada and New England voyages. So much like Alaska, these voyages are taking you somewhere that you haven't seen that's still close to home. So while maybe if if someone doesn't want to fly a long distance and wants to kind of do that Alaska experience, but they live on the East Coast, not that it's the same, but a Canada and New England voyage might be a better option for them if they don't want to travel for a long period of time. Um, Because you do have some similar, some similarities, even though you really they're two completely different experiences. Really, they're just both in the North. But the nice thing about the Canada and New England voyages is that a lot of them leave, I would say most of them leave from New York, um, whether it's Manhattan, Brooklyn, or there's also a terminal in New Jersey. But you're able to spend a couple days in New York. And I remember last time I did a Canada, New England cruise, I spent a couple days in New York beforehand. And it's such a good place to be. Um, I don't know about right now. Obviously, it's hard to talk about these things when we when we take COVID into consideration. But I think that New York is a great place to stay, and it's really easy to tack on a couple of days, um, either at the beginning or the end of the voyage. So these voyages are usually about a week long, but sometimes it's a little bit more or a little bit less. But you're gonna go to Boston, and you're going to go to Bar Harbor, Maine, and you're going to go to Nova Scotia, go to Halifax and New Brunswick. And there are just so many things to do. St. John in New Brunswick is one of the most 
cool cities to, to walk around. There is a beautiful market and it, that's been operating for since the 1800s. And it's also really cool to go to Canada if you haven't been, because Canada is so much different from the United States, even though it's it's just north of us and we're just one one border away. While there are so simil- so many similarities, there are also so many differences. And so it's interesting to be able to go to those northern cities in the United States, going to Boston, going to Bar Harbor, and then also being able to see the side of Canada just right over the border. Um, so that that's a great itinerary as well. And especially during the summer when you can eat lobster and sit out. I remember last, last time I was there, we had a lobster bake kind of cookout situation and it was so fun and so delicious and like nothing I had, no lobster I had ever eaten before. And I, I think that that itinerary is such a great option for, again, families. I mean, all of these are good for, for solo and for couples, but a lot of these, it's important to emphasize how good these itineraries are for families, because I know oftentimes we look at itineraries, especially on maybe higher end lines where, and luxury cruise lines where we say, you know, we don't, we don't know how well suited they are for families. But I think that most of these itineraries that I've mentioned today are also pretty family friendly. Um, and this is definitely one of them where maybe someone is going out of the country for the first time going to Canada. Um, so this one is a really, really special itinerary and definitely a recommendation for me for a first time ocean cruiser. If you have any more recommendations or you think that I missed anything, I would really appreciate if you comment, um, because I'm always looking for new ideas as well, uh, for my readers. So I just want to thank you all for listening today. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. If you like it over the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about coronavirus and COVID, what it's like to cruise during COVID and where we think the, where we think the cruise industry is headed. I'm going to have a cruise expert, Ralph Grizzle on with me to talk about kind of where we think the industry is headed. And then we'll talk to our friend in Belgium, Mike Luigi, who has done two ocean cruises so far and is traveling and see what it's really like to be on the water at the moment. So for the next two episodes, we will be focused on COVID, but after that, we're going to get back to these kind of 101s and, and what's included and what do we need to know before uh, booking a cruise and what do our clients need to know before booking a cruise. So make sure to subscribe uh, to, to get all of that information. And also, please check out the other podcasts on the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. A lot of good ones, a lot of help um, for, for travel advisors. So I really appreciate you guys listening and I will see you next Tuesday. Thank you. (laughs) 